Well, we've been uh, throughout the summer talking on living by faith. So it was great that Lori could share how what we've learned is that we're supposed to basically trust God when he asks, when he speaks, when he says things. We're supposed to trust that what he says is true. And then we're supposed to obey God's word and, and make movement on that for sure. And then continue to trust him despite difficulties or circumstances that maybe speak loudly in our ears saying, you know, this, this might not work out the way it's supposed to. But we trust God with the outcomes. And so we looked at many, many stories throughout scripture that talked about how people had to live this way. And they were, they were known, known to be people of, of great faith. And so as I was thinking about ending this series, I thought, you know, it'd be helpful for us at this time of the year, in the beginning of September, we typically talk about the church and what it is we are called to do and what is it called specifically to, to live out as a community. So what do we do together that's unique for us that God has called us to? And so by faith, what does it look like for us to function, I guess, as a community of believers? So I think as by faith and as we've learned to tie it in is that we're to focus on what God's word says to us as a community, seeking to understand, believe and trust what he says, and then take that knowledge and understanding and move it into real practical ways of obedience, into a practical life of making decisions and changing our behavior. And so as a church who is faithful, we're ones who not merely look at God's word, and, and James would say, and deceive ourselves, but look at God's word and then change the way that we behave throughout every day. And then I was, I was reflecting, I thought, you know, I, this is a time where it's supposed to be vision casting, and what is vision casting? What does that look like? And for me, I, I, you know, vision statements are always fantastic. You know, you don't usually find vision statements that you don't like. Um, they always sound good. The question is, what, you know, do we care what we say is, is really more important than what we say? Do we actually believe it? Do we trust it? Do we move into it? So I started thinking, is, well, what, where is God leading us? And if I was to describe for you kind of a picture of where I think God's leading us. Now, this is just me sitting down last night and, and thinking, you know, if I was to picture a church that I want to be a part of, a church that I want to belong to, a church I want to participate with, what would it, what would it look like? What would it feel like? And I, I would encourage you to do the same. I want you to actually spend some time thinking about that. What, what excites you about being a part of a Christian community? And for me, I thought I'd write down a few things and just share them with you quickly, and then, and then we'll move on in a couple other things. I, you know, I'd love to be a part of a church family that is actively inviting people on a regular basis to come, to do life with, to join with. I want to be a part of a church that engages in the realities and the mess of life, that, that speaks into the culture in which it exists, the truth of God's word. And so what it means is that when we talk, we're, 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 we talk about God's truth, but we talk about it in real practical, realistic ways in ways that we, we can do something about it so that we are relatable to the people around us, we're relatable to our world, we're relatable to the friends, our neighbors around us who might not believe, but when we speak truth, here as a community, it would be a way that it's understandable to the world that is actually hurting and broken and 
needing truth in a society that really is a, you know, a truth vacuum out there. I, I would love to be part of a church community where Sunday when we gather together, um, people are passionate for about Jesus. Uh, they're passionate, and, and uh, it's not about, it's not a joyful experience of worship, and it's not about tempo. It's not about tempo. Um, it's not about song choice. It's about the heart. <laughs> the heart connected to the things of God and the desire to be in his presence and to proclaim praise of his name. I, I want to be a part of a church where the younger generation are fully engaged in worship. And, and it doesn't mean they're just here. It means they're engaged. They're able to use their gifts. They, in, they enjoy. They understand what we're singing about. That they anticipate, that we all anticipate, that when we gather together, we're going to hear from God. That hearing God is actually an expectation we can bring with us, knowing we won't be disappointed. I, I want to be a part of a church where families are supported and encouraged. A place where families can grow up and mature, and there's a place for them to belong. A place where kids love to attend, youth love to attend, young adults love to attend. And I will emphasize, I guess I'm emphasizing on purpose, a younger generation. Because I believe, like every Christian community, we're only one generation away from dying. <laughs> and so it's so important that every generation gets an opportunity to express themselves in their worship and in their faith in a public way. And if there's not an environment for them to do that, they will go where they can. I want to be a part of a church community where mature believers and people just trying to figure out who Jesus is can come together and commune together and appreciate one another. I want to be a part of a community where mature faith means I sacrifice my preferences for those others. That maturity means I give up rights instead of demand my rights. I want to be a part of a church community where there's a, a belonging in, in a sense of small group communities. That, that actual, there's environments where people can go to where they feel cared for and they can be expressive about their doubts and their questions and their struggles of life. And that community doesn't try to fix them, but that community actually allows them to have those moments of brokenness and simply encourages them to keep following Jesus. That can't happen on a Sunday morning, so I believe that our, group, our church, I would love to see us develop our small groups into those kind of environments. And I would love to be part of a church community where everybody has a place where they serve and feel like they fit and they belong and they can contribute to the whole. I started thinking about words and I guess I'm, I love a church that is known for their faith, a church that is known for family, a church that is focused and knows what they're about and why they exist, <laughs> and a church that has fun. I'll be honest, that word fun doesn't go away from me every time I think about it. I'm like, I don't know if that's a good one, but man, I, I, I want to have fun. So those are some of the things. How do we get there? I think 
I think we get there through a couple things. This church identified, before I came, this church identified a few things that are so important to us as a church. And I, I do believe that if we make these our priorities, that we will get those kind of results. And so I want to walk through those. And this is going to be like more of a teachy thing. And, and uh, I have a, a ton, and it's in your notes. And so I, I've already anticipated my guilt because I'm going to say things that I want to like <laughs> make more important than I have time to give them importance to. So I'm going to have to go quickly through these things. And I'm going to feel guilty for doing it because I really think we should stop and reflect and stop and reflect. And we just don't have time to do that. But it's important as we, as we form our community, we remind ourselves going into our ministry year. So in church life, it's unique. September is like a beginning of the year. It's not January. It's usually September where we kind of start ministry. And, and what are the things that we want to focus on that we make our priorities as part of our vision? And so we've decided as a church we want to focus on Jesus, we want to build community, and we want to impact the world. Those are three primary priorities that our church wants to focus on and so I want to talk about what these are and where they come from. They really come through two things, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment for sure. And if we were to talk about questions like, well, who are, who are we to be and what are we to do? In other words, what are we trying to become like and what are we going to do as we're becoming those things? Those are kind of the questions that the Great Commission and Great Commandments kind of deal with. And so what are we to do? Well, we're to love. I mean, that's simple. I mean, it, it, some of these things are so simple in the concept of understanding, and yet doing them is like a lifelong journey of figuring out how. And so what are we to do? We're to love. We're to love God and love others. And Jesus literally said, like, these two things are what everything else is about in Scripture, and so if you only ever needed to kind of hear like one sermon on what all the law and all the prophets and all the instructions of Scripture are about, it comes down to this thing. is like you have to figure out what love looks like, how you love God, and how you love other people. Those are the two things Jesus said are vital to having a relationship with other people and loving God at the same time. You can't separate them. You have to know that. Jesus said you can't do it. You can't. You can't say you love God and not love people. And so they're connected. And so the body or the church becomes, this is what we learn to do. And we practice it and we learn it and we reflect on it. And sometimes we like to go deep on certain things, deep in theology and understanding. We get in debate and all those things. But sometimes we have to just come back to the most simplistic things, which is just we have to figure out how to love. When we do that, we, we honor God. And who are we to be? Well, we're to be a people who make a difference. So we gather together, we form a church, we, we come as a community, and we come to worship today, we come to hear God's word and figure out how it makes a difference in our day-to-day -day life because we are about making a difference. Jesus said we're to be salt, we're to be light in the world impactful. It should be different because we exist as a community. The world should be different because we exist as a community. So that's one of the things that we're to be. We're to be people who actually make that difference. In other words, we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for something bigger than ourselves. 
The Great Commission is simply when Jesus told his disciples, who had learned, has learned for three years following around how to love God and how to love other people. And he said, now that you know how to love God and you're learning to love other people, I'm giving you a power and authority in my name to go out and help other people learn how to love people and love my Heavenly Father. That's what making disciples means, is that help other people learn how to follow me. So teach them what I taught you. Baptize them. Bring them. Baptizing was a symbol of bringing them into the family, bringing them into community. And teach new people how to obey the commands that I've given you, which is what? Loving God and loving others. So it focuses on that cycle. So the great commandment, what are we to do? We're people who love God, love others. That means those are the what we say as a community here. We say, well, we're focused on Jesus and we're building community. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about loving God and loving other people. We're focused on Jesus, so we worship. We're here to glorify him and be focused on him. Loving him, loving God, and building community, loving other people. And the Great Commission is making a difference in the world, is that's when we say, well, we're trying to impact the world. We're trying to make a difference. And we do that together, and we do it individually. But as we're connected, we form the church. So I want to go through a few of these bit by bit as well. And like I said, I'm going to go through them fairly quickly. I want to... I want to kind of unpacked what does it mean then for these things? What does it mean for us? And a lot of these come through. So when you come to a Discover Our Church kind of course, we, we talk about some of these things. And so they're, they're coming out of that content, out of the things that we, we want to make a priority and what our values are. So focus on Jesus means that, well, we desire to be like Jesus Christ. So we focus on him because the goal is to reflect him. And you can't reflect him unless you're focused on him. So we desire to become like him. That means we need to learn how to love like him. We need to learn how to think like him. We need to act and behave like Jesus. In other words, Jesus becomes the measurement of what spiritual maturity looks like. So if you want to know, am I growing in my faith? It's, are you becoming more like Jesus? Today, do you think, behave, act more like Jesus than you did yesterday? I don't care how much you know. I don't care how much you've memorized. But do you behave and think and love like Jesus or not? We are here as a church body to reflect Jesus to the world. And so we focus on him so that we can reflect him. Philippians 2 is one of the most, I think, impactful passages for me about this. It's like, he says this, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, is there any comfort from his love? So when you, when you accept Christ in your life or what he's done for you, you belong to him, you gather together. If you're in fellowship with the Spirit, you're in fellowship with other people. So if there's encouragement from this, if there's comfort from this, if there's fellowship with the body of Christ in the spirit, if your hearts are tender and you're compassionate, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, so those things, learn to love one another, and working together, working together with one mind and purpose. So if you're in community and you belong to Christ, learning to love each other, work together. 
one mind, one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Like Jesus, he goes on to say, who did not consider himself, but actually gave up his rights for the benefit of others. And so if we're going to belong in community, we're called to love each other, work together, and consider others more important than ourselves. That's what it means to focus on Jesus. It it also means, if we're going to focus on Jesus, it means we have to live by God's word. You can't focus on Jesus if you're not reading God's word, if you're not studying God's word or understanding God's word. And so if you want to reflect him, you have to know him. And one of the primary ways you get to know him is by being in God's word. But what I put in there is live by God's word, not understand God's word. I know you've heard me say it many, many times, but it's so, so important. The reason is, is this. Well, you can't live by God's word if you don't know it. But just because you know it doesn't mean you live by it. So focus on living by it, and then it forces you to know it. Don't focus on knowing, because you can actually know it, feel good about yourself, even become full of pride about what you know, and it can still not transform the way that you live. And so why we emphasize as a church that we need to live it out, which means we talk about how to make it practical, what can we do this week to become more like Jesus. Another part of being focused on Jesus means we have to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's how he communicates to us is through the Spirit. Jesus said when the Spirit comes, he's going to remind you. Remind you of what? What you've learned from his teachings. Remind you about what Jesus said. He can't remind you of something if you don't know it. So you have to know it. The Spirit's going to remind you of his word. It's going to correct you when you're getting off focus of Jesus. He's going to guide you and lead you and empower you to do everything that he's called you to do. And so for us, to be focused on Jesus means we have to be in a posture of learning to listen well. We have to know how to listen. So in the church, we we listen together. We listen as individuals, but we listen together in community. We listen as leadership. And we believe that God speaks through each other. And so the art of listening is something that we have to get better at as a community all the time if we want to focus on Jesus. If we're focused on Jesus, it means that he's going to lead us into mission and purpose. I mean, this is what the disciples had to figure out. He didn't say, say, come and sit down. Now, he did do moments like that, but that's not what he called people into. What he said was, come and follow me. I believe that if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus as a church and we're going to grow in knowing him, he's doing it on the go. In other words, we're about something, we're doing things, and that's how he teaches us is as we try to live out by faith, as he asks us to trust him, as he asks us to make decisions, as he leads us forward on mission, we actually learn more and more what it means. We believe strongly that We have a a ministry that was given, and this ministry that was given to us as to the church is this. So what do we do? His mouth, we are his body in the world today. 
So again, we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for a mission, for a purpose. And if we want to be focused on Jesus, that means that we're focused on what he was called to do. He said, as the Father sent me in the world, I am sending you into the world. As you've seen me love, you need to love. As you've seen me worship my Father, you need to worship. And so we're called to be about something bigger than existing. The minute we are satisfied with existing, the church begins to die. Well, I want to talk quickly about a couple of things, building community, what that means. The building community, we believe here at the church, means we care about the whole person. We care about the person. We, we, when we gather together, it's not a throwaway line to say, how are you doing? And we don't skip over <laughs> how someone is doing to get to more information, download content. And so I believe if we're going to build true community, then our small groups need to care just as much about how that individual is processing and dealing with the struggles of life as much as learning what the God's word says to them. That we care for that whole person and their whole experience and their journey. And so I, I, I would love our small groups to be have time for how are you doing? Now, there's a good phrase that I learned as a small group leader that I have a hard time, I have a hard time being a good small group leader. Anyone who's been in a small group knows that of me because I'm a teacher. And so what I want to do is get to the information again. And someone said, you need to say, how are you doing, comma, really? Like, I actually really want to know. We're so comfortable in just saying, how are you doing? And we all know if I say I'm doing fine, then you'll move on to what you really care about. So caring for the whole person means, no, we actually pause because we actually really do care about that just as much as we care about what we want to talk about today. That's what it means to care for the whole person. And so if we see somebody in need, we see somebody who's broken, we see someone struggling, that matters. Jesus never separated the needs of the brokenness of this world with their spiritual life. It's, it's all together. God cares about the wholeness of who we are. And so building community means we have to learn how to slow down and listen and care about the whole person. Building community means we value belonging. We believe that the church is a bunch of individuals that are connected together by Jesus Christ. And the scripture says all of us are important. All of us have a part to play. All of us have a piece of the puzzle that makes the body exist. And so we value belonging means we value a sense of serving one another. We value a sense of accountability to one another. Look what it says there in Romans 12. Five, we like all the, the benefits, but listen to what it actually says. Look at this last phrase. This does not fly very well, I'll be honest. Each member belongs to the others. <laughs> so we like it when it's coming this direction, right? <laughs> hey, this is my church, and this is what I need from church, and this is my expectations. And as long as it's coming this way, this is belongs to me. Remember, it says, the scripture, this belongs to me. My church belongs to me. But this is not what he's saying. Is the attitude is like Christ Jesus, who gave up that and said, I belong to you. And so for us to build community, we have to switch our mindset from what my church is for me and say, who am I 
to the others in the community. Our belonging is about a sense of, I, I belong to other people. My skills, my talents, my time, my finances actually don't belong to me. That's what they experience in the book of Acts. And I often hear people say, well, we'd love to become like Acts. I mean, the book of Acts, you see that the spirit was moving and people were coming to Christ. And, and it says, but it says that, that the fundamental thing about the book of Acts and the people was they held everything they had loosely and sacrificed what they had for each other. And therefore, they were empowered by the spirit and God moved in their midst in a mighty way. Valuing others in community means we make room for people. <laughs> we make room allowing people to serve alongside of us. We allow people to serve in the areas that we like to serve. We bring people in. We invite them to do life with. We create space for our children and youth and young adults and adults and our seniors to engage in community. Impacting a world, I think what it means for us is that we live generously. We understand as we, we pray and Shayla prays before we, for offering, and we often pray that way up here, is that we have to remember that everything we are and everything we have is not for us. It's all a gift. And so that enables us to live generously because we're not owners, we're stewards. We know that Everything that we have is only by the grace of God. And therefore, everything we have belongs to him and is to be used for his ministry. And so we long to be a community that, that knows how to live generously. And that's your time, that's your energy, that is your resources for sure. That's your willingness to serve a hurting and broken world around us. A willingness to again lay down our rights for the sake of others. Well, impacting the world, I think, means that we're relevant to our culture. and We have to figure that out. It's one of the things that's amazing about what Jesus did was sometimes we just kind of throw that piece away. But he came into the world and stepped into time. He took a humble nature and became a servant of his world in which he lived into his culture. And his, and his speaking and his teaching was always connected to the people that he was talking to. He talked about fishing to fishermen. He talked about farming to farmers. He, he engaged. He talked, when he was around vineyards, he talked about wine and wine presses and, and the fruit of the vine and how it needs to be connected. And he was very relevant to the people in which he had to communicate. He didn't expect them to understand beyond their own culture. And I love Colossians. It says we need to act wise or be wise in the way that we act towards other people, the outsiders, those who aren't in the faith. Make the most of opportunities. So when we're having people in our midst who don't know Christ or, or we go out and we're with people who don't know Christ, we need to be relevant and wise in how we talk. In a way that makes sense and is understandable and is practical for them. Jesus was very relevant to the people in which he communicated. When they were hungry, he fed them. When they were hurting, he met their brokenness. 
I want to end with just some practical ways that we can do this. Kind of where the rubber meets the road. Because again, those are great statements and I think everyone can agree on those things. Those are things that I think most churches want to be like. But we are the church. And what's really important we understand when we think about church, it's not where we attend, it's not where we go, it's who we are. And so we're the church as we gather together, and we're the church as we scatter. And so the church can never become something that we are not willing to engage personally. And so it's personally and corporately, it's as we do these things together, as we're alone and when we're in presence of each other, that we actually accomplish what the church is supposed to be about. It's both sides. We practically have to figure this looks like in my life, in my environment, in my neighborhood, in my workplace, in my family, at the same time as we practice these things when we gather together at the same time. So the church is not a building. It's not a meeting. It's a group of people that are called according to God's purposes in the world. They're a group of people that are called to become reconcilers, <laughs> inviters, People who invite people to know the heart of God for them. That's what we're called to be. And I think the balance, I try to think of a metaphor. I mean, I'm not, um, <laughs> the only one I can think of is like, well, sometimes the church then people would think, and this is true in statistics and study and all through college and everything else, say 90%, 90% of people who attend church say that the church fundamentally is for them, is that this is where the people gather, we care for one another, we support one another, all the one another's, and it's like, that's true. But most pastors, when they, when they read and they go through their training, their education, and they read God's word, they believe 90% of them would say, well, the church is actually about the lost, the, the people out there. And so it's both, but I think it would be like, I was trying to think, what would be a good picture of it? It's kind of like the church is like, in its scriptural, I guess, is like an army in a sense, right? I mean, the sense that we have a mission, we're about something, we're trying to accomplish something, we're in a, in a, in a world in which we're trying to do the commandments of our Heavenly Father. And so we're, we're in an army, in a sense, we got a, we got a mission and an objective, and yet an army is kind of useless if they shoot each other in the back, so, I mean, in an army, you want to know that the person here has actually got my side. Like, they're beside me. And if I trip and fall, they're going to pick me up. And they're going to carry me across the line. They're going to, you know, there's a medic there that's going to patch me up and get me better again. Like, it's a, it's a you know, the, the arms and the, the brotherhood of, of what it means to fight together. But an army doesn't just sit together and help each other just feel good, <laughs> if they did that, they wouldn't be in the battle. And I think like that with the church is that we're in a battle. We have a mission. There's, there is a war that God is fighting, and we are on the front lines of this battle of trying to help people find out that God has a heart for them, that he is offering them forgiveness, and he doesn't want to hold their sins against them. That, that's that's what the, the war is out there. We have an enemy who's trying to convince the world that God is against them. God is irrelevant. And so we're in a battle, but 
we will lose if we don't actually function in the healthy one another way as we go. So we cannot be in a battle and we can just focus on making sure we're safe, <laughs> right? But that defeats the whole purpose of our existence. And so both have to work together. Practical ways I think we should focus on Jesus and we want to encourage these things. I want to encourage these things in our congregation. First of all is that we read God's word daily for application. You're going to hear that from me forever until you're sick. I want you to read God's word. But again, it's, it's always for application. And the temptation is, I just need to read it and say I did it and check off the box. You know, I've got to read my little daily bread or I've got to read this paragraph. I'm good. I feel good. You should not feel good unless you're asking the question of so what? Asking the Holy Spirit and saying, what do you need me to do today because of your word? How do I follow you today because of your word? So we have to read for application. And we have to read it. You have to read it. We have to be in God's word. And then we quickly obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Quickly obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That is a, a very healthy practice. And I know that because it's something that we drag our feet on. We know when our kids, you know, drag their feet in obedience, it's actually disobedience, you know. Come here for supper, you know. I will when I'm ready. It's like, that's not obedience. So we have to practice the quickness of it. When, when God puts something, someone on your mind to pray for them, pray for them. If, if you put someone on your mind to forgive, go and forgive them. If he's putting on their mind to reconcile, reconcile. If you've committed a sin against another person, go to them. These are the quickness. When you quickly obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you stay focused on Jesus. The minute you drag or delay in your movement, you fall behind Jesus. So I think that's a huge, huge thing that we can start practicing. How do we practically build community? I want you to get connected in a group. And so next week, we're going to let you know about groups. And there's lots of groups going on. And we want you to get connected in one. And if there isn't one that meets at the time in which you need to meet and you can't meet, then we'll form one or you can form one. But you need to find a community where you can get connected to process what God is saying. Another one is we need to not tolerate critical talk about others. We need to, as a church, to not tolerate critical talk about others. So I've been here long enough to know this is an area we have to deal with. And so we have to challenge other people. We have to challenge each other. If they know what they're talking about, have they addressed that person? Have they shared their concerns? We have to not, it's gossip. We have to not listen to something that is third hand. We have to make sure we go to each other and repair relationships when they're broken. That's how you build community. There's no other way around it. And I want you, and I want us, to learn how to expand our circle of community. And there's some of us here, for sure, who have been in this community a long time, and you're comfortable and you have community. This year, I want you to expand that community. Some of you have been in the same group for 20, 30 years. I'm, that's great. Maybe this is the year to expand your community. <laughs> Meet some other people. Sit somewhere else. So one of these Sundays, I say we're going to do it still. Like, 
Expand. Think expand. Who can I invite into my life? Who can I go and get to know? Expand your circle of community. Another way to impact our world in a practical way, wet willingness to let go of the past for the future. The only way to impact the world and the culture of today is to often let go of the past and embrace where God is calling us forward into the future. That means allowing younger generation to express themselves, to serve in a way that we're not used to or we're not comfortable with. Be willing to give as God, as directed by God. I believe that we will impact this community when we learn to be generous the way God's asking us to be. I don't think you'll ever hear from me, I hope, is saying, you need to give. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say you need to listen to what God wants you to do. If we give as God directs, we will have no financial needs to do the ministries that God's asking us to do. We just won't. I promise you. You don't ever need to give when you feel compelled to give by anyone but the Holy Spirit. Don't. I need us to not give because of needs that are in our face. I need us to give because God is directing us to. And if we learn to do that well, we will not have any needs. Pray for those who don't know Jesus by name. I want you to think about people in your life and say, who can I start praying for by name? And I want you to start inviting people to come with you. And that's a big statement. That just simply means come with you. If you're going for a walk and God says invite that person to come with you, invite them. If it's to church, go to church. If it's to a a community group, go to a community group. But invite people to be a part of your life. We want to become an invitational community. I'm going to ask the elders who are going to serve communion to come forward today. We're going to take part of communion. Communion reminds us that we are connected together. That we are part of the body of Christ. And so as you gather together, we, we always are called. So when you gather together, remember, remember our unity. Remember our unity. Our foundation is that we all are under the blood of of Christ. It's a leveling ground that we're all here by grace. That we all belong because of Christ, no matter who we are or where we've come from or what we've done. Because of Christ, we have a seat at this table. And so maybe you're, you're not from this church. That's okay. Because if you belong to Christ, you have a seat at the table. So that's what this table represents, is that we are unified by what he did on the cross, that he died for each and every one of us and took our place on the cross. When we deserve to die for our sins, he he took our place and he died. He was broken when we should have been broken. And so we, we take communion together to remind ourselves of unity. So it's funny, because communion is not instructed to go do this on your own, it's Instructed when you gather together in his presence to remind ourselves that we are one. We are his. We are his church. So what we're going to do is we're going to hand out the bread. And uh, you can take a piece of the bread. And then once everyone's got it, um, I'm going to come up and I'll just say let us partake together. We partake. And then they're going to serve you the cup. And we'll do the same thing. And then we'll close off our service.